This is the Cherryleaf Podcast. Hello again. In this episode, we're going to look at common onboarding mistakes. And this relates to products rather than the onboarding of staff. But before we get into that, I thought it'd be good to just flag up to anybody that didn't know that we've introduced or added onto the Cherryleaf website some quizzes. And goodness me, they proved really popular, particularly the first one, which is what type of technical writer are you? The other three that we've got are One relates to API documentation and developer portals, and that is, what is your developer portal's KPI score? It's a way of assessing how good or bad your developer portal is. The third one is, what type of policies and procedures writer are you? And the fourth one is, what is your policies and procedures KPI score? And if you go to the homepage of the Cherryleaf website, cherryleaf.com, you'll find a link to all of those four quizzes. We've had a great response so far, some really interesting answers, which we may talk about at a later stage. I don't want to influence anybody's answers to the quiz, so I won't talk about that now. And we might introduce some other quizzes in addition to the four that we have at the moment. There's a couple of reasons for picking this topic, common onboarding mistakes. One reason is that it is in part a follow-on from the conversations that we had with Toby chapman Dor and with Carissa Van Boylen. And if you haven't heard those episodes, then if you go to wherever you found this episode, you should find a link to those. And another reason is that we're going through this process of developing a new e-learning course on developing onboarding content for products. And as we've gone through the research and written the slides and started to record the videos, one of the things that's come out of that is some of the common mistakes that organisations have made with their onboarding process. Now, the e-learning course isn't complete yet. We're still going through the process of creating the exercises and hopefully soon we'll be able to tell you more about that course. But if you're interested, if you've got any thoughts on onboarding, if you'd like us to keep you up to date, then you're more than welcome to email us and that is info at cherryleaf.com. Well, let's start by defining what we mean by onboarding. And I'm going to use a definition from Nielsen Norman. And that is, it's the process of getting users familiar with a new product using dedicated flows and user interface elements that are not part of the regular app interface. It can involve one or more of the following components. Feature promotion, customization, and instructions. We have listed nine common mistakes they're not necessarily in any particular order. Well, the first one we've got on the list is thinking about features rather than thinking about the jobs that the user wants to do or jobs to be done. And jobs to be done is actually a theory 
that's been around for a few years of understanding what motivates customers to spend the time, effort and money in a particular product or service. It was developed by Clayton M. Christensen and he wrote this piece of text. When we buy a product, we essentially hire something to get a job done. If it does the job well, when we're confronted with the same job, we hire the same product again. And if the product does a crummy job, we fire it and look around for something else we might hire to solve the problem. If the onboarding process fails to address those thoughts in the user's mind when they're using your product, it may fail. If we focus on features and not the situation, the motivation and the desired outcome or promise that led the user to sign up in the first place, then your product, your organisation, you may fail in your objective. And we can look at this in a little bit more detail. Generally, when somebody decides to pay for a product, start to use it, it's been said that there are four forces that affect their decision to choose a particular product and stick with it. And these are push and pull and the decision to act or to not act, to give up or not to give up. And this is very much the common thought when people go through the buyer's journey, but it also extends into using a product for the first time. There's the push to find a new solution to a problem or a pain that you have that you want to solve. There's the pull from what could be achieved or the promise that's being offered, the transformation that's being offered by using this new product. There's the option that there always is of just living with what you have, of just doing nothing. The inertia of not wanting to change because change will be too difficult. And there's the anxiety over if you did change, what risk or consequences there might be by making that change. And when it comes to developing onboarding content, it must address those thoughts, those questions that are going through the user's mind, empathise with those. And if it just focuses on the features, you can do this, that and the other, then there's a real chance that the onboarding will fail. The second common mistake is how much information you give the user and how many choices you provide them. And if you're a technical author, come from a technical authoring background, you've probably heard of John Carroll, the father of minimalism, who did research back in the 1980s when he was at IBM about how people use information when they're trying to solve problems and troubleshoot. And one of the things he discovered was that people just don't remember the information. They're just focused on trying to solve the problem that they have. And we know from information and learning theories that when it comes to how much information we provide, if we start to move away from giving more than four or five things that somebody has to remember or has to choose between, then it starts to confuse people. It becomes overwhelming for them. Now, it can be that if the pattern is familiar, then you can extend it a little bit further. We're familiar with days of the week. We're familiar with months of the year. There's seven days of the week. There's 12 months of the year. But where things are unfamiliar, if you start to ask people to remember more than four or five things or choose between four or five things, it can be very difficult for them. So we may need to phase things in over time 
what's called progressive disclosure. Number three in terms of common mistakes is writing for a single audience. And often when you look at onboarding, it's one onboarding approach or process or system that's there for a single audience. And that audience is primarily people that are starting to use the product for the first time. But that may not be the case. There's a great book that's come out called Better Onboarding by Crystal Higgins, who works at Google in Australia. And in the book, she talks about the fact that there's often more than one type of user for a product and that would benefit from onboarding. For a start, that new user may be one who isn't actually paying for the product at the moment. They may be on the free plan. And what we may want to do is onboard them to become a paying customer. And that paying customer may have a different onboarding process or different requirements to those that have started as a trial user. They may have jumped straight in to pay for it straight away, or they may have previously been a trial user and now they're able to use new extra features by paying for the product. And it may also be that there are users that have used the product in the past, but stopped using it and have come back to it. So they're familiar with some elements, but they may not be familiar with others. They may not be familiar with what's changed since the last time that they used the product. So for them, you may need to guide them through the changes in how they use the product, how they experience it to get to the goals that they want. And another group might be, or could often be, existing users who have to deal with a situation where the product is being developed over time and it's changing. And we might want to prepare them, to warn them, to inform them about any upcoming changes that may affect how they use the product, to familiarise them with new features or capabilities that are being introduced and connect that to how they use the product, their experience, what they want to achieve. And of course, you may have existing users and the product's not changing, but you want them to do more. You want them to use more features because the more features that they use, the less likely it is that they will give up using the product at some point. So for these different audiences or segments, we may need to create distinctive, separate, segmented onboarding solutions to suit their different needs. The fourth common mistake is about the timing of the information that we provide. And this is linked back to overloading the users with information and identifying which type of audience that you have. And the impetus may be to deliver onboarding content straight away. As soon as the person signs up for the product, registers, logs in, the temptation is that that's when you should provide the onboarding content. But that may not always be the case. There has been some research done by, I think it was Andrew Chen, for mobile apps that discovered that actually the best time to deliver content for mobile apps, or for some mobile apps in the study that they did, was actually after three days, between three days and seven days from the moment that the person signed up to the application. At the start, they want to discover for themselves, to explore 
once they've done that, you can then use onboarding to make them aware of some of the features they may not have been familiar with, that may not have discovered in that initial stage. And it may be that we need to break that information down because to give all of the information that's needed during onboarding all in one go may just overload users with too much information. So, for example, if you sign up for Gmail, which is offered by Google, when you sign in for the first time, you will see a number of onboarding screens, a lot about setting up the system, how it looks and feels, the type of adverts you may or might not want to see, and so on. When you log in a second time, you actually see another set of onboarding screens covering additional information. And so what Google has done is it's split the onboarding process over the different times that you log in so that you're getting the information in small chunks so you can manage and process them at that moment in time. The fifth mistake that can happen is with the content. And I mentioned Crystal Higgins and her book, Better Onboarding, and she talks about the five techniques of onboarding content. Well, perhaps a better term would be the five pillars of onboarding content. And these are different types of content or types of information that you can provide in the onboarding process. Now, if we tweaked the definitions that Crystal Higgins used, but the the five pillars are defaults, inline help, proactive help, reactive help, and on-demand help. And one of the problems that organisations often make is they provide maybe one or two of those, but not all of them. Or they provide the wrong pillar at the wrong time. Part of the challenge is knowing what to use and when. The right type of guidance at the right time in the right place. And within those, depending on where the user is in their journey, whether they're interested, curious or frustrated and stuck, you might need to change the tone between those different pillars to be empathetic, empathic with the user at that time. And with that information provided through those five different channels, those five different pillars, they need to be consistent with each other terms of terminology that's used, for example, and coordinated. So if somebody goes from one type of information to the other, that there's a consistency, that they get the information that they need. And that leads on to the next mistake, and that is simply having poor content. Content that's not clear, that's incomplete, that's not accurate, that's not credible, that's not connected or cohesive to the product or to the other information that's not concise, that's not consistent, that's not findable, not usable and not useful. And these measures are common measures for measuring or for checking the quality of content, be it in a website, in terms of a content strategy, review, or in terms of technical publications, technical documentation. Another common mistake is having unclear goals. And we had on a previous podcast, we interviewed Carissa Van Boylen and she works for Skilljar. And I'll quote from Skilljar about unclear goals. And they write, 
onboarding content must communicate specific value to your users. In other words, it must be clear why they should care about your product and how it will make their job easier. So we need to have clear goals that we want to achieve and be aware of the goals that the user wants to achieve. And by being clear in what those goals are, we can work backwards and identify the jobs to be done, the key steps that need to happen for enable them to achieve their goal and for us to achieve their goal, that we can identify the most efficient, the most direct path. And often there's a mistake that's made with onboarding related to these unclear goals that we just see onboarding as implementation when it may not be the case. Implementation may not be the first step. It may not be the end point. There may be other things that the user may need to do. So we need to be clear on what we want to achieve from our onboarding. And we'll talk a little bit later about testing and measuring and how that relates to this. But before we do that, let's talk about, I think it's our eighth mistake. And that is having a onboarding experience or a user experience where, how can we say it, that there are seams, there are creases in the user experience. That when they go through all of the key steps or what you might call the user flow or the customer journey, the user journey, there are points where it's tricky to complete a task. It's not clear. It's difficult. There's too many steps. And as we're going through the onboarding process, we should be making the onboarding process as smooth and as seamless as possible to fix any problems that there are in the onboarding process that we have created. But also we should flag up any things where, in fact, it would be better to improve the product as well as improving the onboarding. And this really leads into the ninth mistake that organisations make. And that is not to do any testing and not to have any metrics. Because we need to really learn as we go along, learn whether there is a single path to success or more than one path to success, to test that what we have created works and to identify where there can be areas that we might want to improve and then check if we make changes, have we made things better or not made any change at all, improvements at all, or perhaps even made things worse. So that testing and measuring can be through usability testing, customer journey mapping, analytics, and it can also be through us setting metrics for measuring what we want to achieve from our onboarding. And again, people can just focus on one single metric or measure that might not necessarily be the right one. A common one is to focus on revenue. How many people that sign up as a free user become a paying customer? But that may not be the best one to use. It might be better to focus on the customer experiencing success and on the basis that a successful customer is more likely to become a paying customer. So we can set other metrics. And some of the metrics that organisations use are things like time to first value, the first time that a user gets value, benefit from using a product. Time to full value, so having experienced that one 
initial benefit to getting multiple benefits, the full maximum benefit that you can get from there. Product use, how many features, capabilities within the product are they using? Customer satisfaction, how happy are people using the product? And the time to onboard, how long does it take somebody to get to the end of the onboarding process to complete the tasks that you want them to have completed, like setting up, configuring, installing the product, sending out the first email, if it's an email package, for example. So those are the mistakes that we've come across so far in onboarding. I'll recap those again, in slightly different order. Not thinking about the jobs to be done, but thinking about features. Overloading users with information. Writing for just a single audience. Not providing or coordinating the five pillars of onboarding content. Getting the timing wrong. Having unclear goals. Leaving creases or seams in the onboarding experience or in the user experience. Having poor content and not testing or having metrics in place. So those are the mistakes. Obviously the solutions to that is to improve the customer journey, the onboarding journey, have the right content, having the right goals, breaking down the onboarding journey into different segments for different audiences, different paths for different situations and identifying what content is needed at the right time and in the right place and making sure they're all cohesive and consistent. So we hope to be talking more about onboarding as we look at software as a service and how those types of products can support their customers, avoid people getting stuck. And also as we develop the course, we can talk a little bit more about the onboarding course that's coming along as we make further progress on that. But if you've got any more thoughts on onboarding, if we've missed out any common mistakes, then let us know. It's info at cherryleaf.com. We have put a page up about the onboarding course on the Cherryleaf website, cherryleaf.com. If you'd like to talk to us about using our projects team to create onboarding content for your product, then Again, you can use that email address to contact us. We'd be happy to talk to you, get our team involved, our writing team involved with creating great content for you. But that's it for the moment. We're probably going to take a break for a little while over the summer as we move into the holiday period. But in the meantime, thank you for listening.